Hello, and welcome to Reanime, your audio memo about anime. I am your uh, showboating, slam dunking host, Eric Thurm, and with me today is Dave Schilling, TV writer, politics and comedy writer for everywhere from The Guardian to The New Yorker, fashion inspiration, which maybe we'll talk about later, and host of Full Court with Dave Schilling. Dave, welcome to the show. Hey, hello. Thank you for having me. It's Full Court Chat. I want to make sure that- Full Court Chat? I'm so sorry. Uh, it's okay. No one's going to no one's gonna yell at you today. Not today. Um, but yeah, I, I am so happy to be here. I, I want to preface this by making it very okay. clear to everybody who's listening. I don't like anime at all. I don't like it. I've never liked it Amazing. in my entire life. Amazing. Because that's- it, Uh-huh. Because that's this is always how I start the show, and often people are, uh, I think, a little bit like seem guilty that they don't know a lot about anime or like it. And I don't think I've ever had uh, someone just come openly hostile right out the gate. So I would love to hear about that, so that we we know where we're coming from before we I get would, into the show. I wouldn't say this is hostility. I would say that it is just it, it, I don't understand it. I it's it's I I am I'm flabbergasted by the entire genre it doesn't make any sense to me um i don't i don't despise it i just don't like it and and this did create quite a bit of tension between me and my brother who were four years apart i'm four years older than him he is four years younger than me and his his sort of micro generation was very much into anime whereas i was still you know watching like Spielberg movies and and uh, you know traditional kinds of animation on Saturday mornings. He he was the Power Rangers generation, and so that sort of Japanese cultural influence was a very big uh, part of his growing up, and it just wasn't for me. And so I we <laughs> we fought about it all the time. And recently, he said to me, "You know, it really hurt my feelings that you didn't like anime." Wow. Uh. Uh. A feeling I can deeply relate to. Uh, what What did you say to that? I said, "I'm sorry. I'm a grown man." <laughs> I was like, "You're I right. I'm sorry. I'm a grown to. man. I'm willing to take responsibility for this and start watching anime." <laughs> exactly. Um, I'm gonna make it up. You know, this is how restorative justice works. I will. <laughs> I will go through the entirety of the Dragon Ball Z catalog. Um, is that what? What was he into, or what is he into? Oh boy, words that I don't understand. <laughs> okay, I, that's all I could say. It's like things that I don't have any frame of reference for. So, you so say, not, you'll say stuff to me, and I'll just be like, I, I don't know what you're talking. Not about. so, not not the big ones, right? No, none of the like dra- your Dragon Balls or Sailor Moons oh, or anything. No, he loves all that stuff. He loves okay. Dragon Ball Z. He loves Sailor Moon, a uh, Neon Genesis event, Evangelion. I think he's probably watched uh, Cowboy Bebop. He was a big Cowboy Bebop fan when he was um, in his in in high school and whatnot. When it was on uh, Adult Swim. Um, but there's all kinds of things that just references that go over my head that I don't understand. But this Mm. part of doing this podcast was making up for me bullying him as a child for liking. Uh huh. I, 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 yeah, I mean, definitely this is a genre that I would say brings together, uh, sort of the bullied and the bullies in a very particular type of childhood experience in that we are diving into the world of sports anime, um, which sort of, you know, if I had been like a cannier child, I would have tried to get, you know, jocks who, who beat me up or whatever, uh, to, you know, watch, be like, no, you don't get it. It's cool. Cause it's, uh, you know, it's about basketball. And I, I don't think I would have done well with this show. Uh, but it is like a, a you know, a really big genre, um, that I think, takes a little bit from the sort of like inspirational Western sports movie, but also, you know, is different from it largely in the sense that it's way longer, right? Because like this, this show that we're going to talk about today, there's a hundred episodes of it and it does not adapt the full comic does not adapt the full manga. And I, I could be wrong about this, but I don't think there are any like quite as long running, you know, TV shows that are about, I guess Friday Night Lights is like the closest thing, but even that it's like, there's so much turnover in the, the teams. Yeah. It's not, um, it's not often that you find a television show in the West that is about sports. That's good. Um, I, I, besides, besides what you've referenced already, Friday Night Lights, it's, it's hard to think about, um, any ones that 
have been both successful and remained in the public consciousness. There's there's the White Shadow, which was a, a basketball uh, drama that was on um, network TV in the 70s, um, but mostly sports um, sports fiction exists in the movies. You know, there's there's just not a, it's it's expensive to do sporting events every week. You know, it's difficult to find people who can who can do those. Um, who can who can act as act as athletes every week and and stay in shape and be able to to do that and be credible. So animation is the best way to do it and uh I wouldn't say that a lot of the feats of basketball prowess in Slam Dunk are particularly uh, realistic, but we'll get to that I'm sure. Oh yeah, we're 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 totally going to get into that. I mean it's it's int- I feel like one of the other reasons that that is the case in movies and you can tell me if this is just sort of like a post hoc rationalization is that it works really well to have your, you know, let's ideally 90 minutes, but probably now 300 minute or whatever story, you know, be about like the game so that you can have the movie, you know, lead up to the game and then the game happens and that's the climax of the movie and then we're out. Um, and I, I think that one of the things that is so cool about Friday Night Lights and that that I have not had this thought sort of consciously before, but that would would make me interested to sort of like read someone put it in conversation with sports anime is that it is also really good at being about like, you know, what, what happens when you are off the field and the, the sort of, you know, it it doesn't buy into the like, okay, this is the, you know, miracle on ice is the one game that, that is gonna, you know, um, I don't know, prove something. Yeah. The Friday night lights, uh, model of doing sports drama is that it's the games are important to everyone, but the games are just sort of the ways in which you express yourself um, in a nonverbal way. You, you know, uh, the, the the towns in that in that show are are very patriarchal, kind of um, stoic. Obviously, there's plenty of monologues in that show, and it's it is verbal, but. There's something to the idea that these these um, these societies really express themselves best through sport, through physicality. Um, so it's 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 um, it's an action beat in a show that's about the people versus it being about the game, which is true of a lot of sports movies. Is that it, the games are are crucial, and the and the, the thing that you're trying to get to, the goal is to win the championship or to win this the individual game. But the best sports movies, I think, are the ones that are about the people. Like Bull Durham is not about the games. Nobody remembers the games in Bull Durham, the movie. What people remember in Bull Durham is the relationships between Tim Robbins' character and, and Kevin Costner's character and Susan Sarandon's character. And I think that's that's clearly where Slam Dunk fits in the in the um, the pantheon of sports sports stories. Is that it's more on the the side of the spectrum of this is about the people and the the sport is just kind of um, the the the. Um, the equivalent of the, I guess, it's a, to borrow um, some some iconography from RuPaul's Drag Race, this would be the the um, the lip sync at the end. You know, it's not it's not uh, important, but it is how you kind of get to the climax of a story. Yeah, and I think I mean it, it's funny that you you mention it that way because I, I'm not like. I, I have friends who are really, really into sports anime and it, it sort of is not as much my jam. Uh, but my favorite thing in the genre, this show called Yuri on ice is like exactly what you're talking about because it's like figure skaters. And so the show gets to, you know, like you have the thing that you're talking about where the, the sport is a means of nonverbal communication, but it is like way more explicit because it's like one person who's communicating their feelings by, you know, skating in a cool outfit. Um, but it also does that show also does another thing that you, you mentioned in Friday night lights, which is that like everybody in the town just like is obsessed with the sport. And I feel like that's the only way you can like really get something like this to work and Yuri on ice and a lot of other sports anime basically just are like, this takes place in the real world, except that everyone is obsessed with whatever the sport is, um, which I love. And I wish more movies did that. Like I wish, I wish, you know, someone would do, and I, I guess like there's a little bit of that in some 
like Western sports stuff, but where they're just like, we're going to make a thing that's about, I don't know, like curling and like just everyone goes nuts for curling. It's like all over, you know, uh, all over ESPN in this world, like just, and we're not going to explain anything about that. It's just, this is the world. Yeah. I mean, I I think in, in Western uh, fiction, sports fiction, there is a desire or a need to be realistic to the reality of what people how people would consume what they're what you're watching like it's it's hard to believe in some sports movies that anyone cares about figure skating like blades of glory is such a strange movie because not only is it you know john heater and will ferrell not really having any chemistry as as comedic actors but is also trying to make it seem as though everyone in the world cared about figure skating all of a sudden. And that just isn't accurate. So the, the sports movies that really and sports TV shows that really work are the ones that are about the things people already care about that they're already invested in baseball, basketball, football, to a lesser extent, hockey. Um, you know, that's, that's how it works. And, uh, I kind of get the sense in this show that this is kind of a primer for Japanese people to learn more about basketball because this is from the nineties. Yeah. And the 90s was one of the biggest times in in the history of, of of the sport because of Michael Jordan. And he was a global icon and everybody wanted to be a fan of the Chicago Bulls and the jerseys of the team here even look like the Bulls and some of the dunks that you see are almost uh you know beat for beat recreations of Michael Jordan dunks. Uh, it, it just it seems like this is a fad that they picked up and they said we're going to make a show uh, we're going to make an anime or a manga about this and then we're going to make a cartoon about it and you know it's going to explain basketball to a country that's maybe more interested in other things. Yeah, so I'll I'll sort of like do our formal introduction of the show and then we can get into that because I think that is sort of the crux of like what felt weird to me about watching this now, right. is like, it clearly just has such a specific context, uh, but I'll, I'll introduce that context and then, then we can, uh, sort of get deeper into that. So the, the show, in case you have not picked up on it, folks at home, the show uh, that we watch today is slam dunk, uh, based on the manga by Takahiko Inoue slam dunk follows Hanamichi Sakuragi a freshman at Shohuko High School and general delinquent, most notable for being rejected by 50 girls. When he develops an interest in Haruko Akagi and learns that she loves basketball, Hanamichi follows his crush to the high school team, where he discovers a genuine love of the game and forms rivalries and friendships with his teammates, as well as players across the country. The series, animated by Studio Toei, written by Nabuaki Kishima and Yoshiyuki Suga, and directed by Nobutaka Nishizawa, aired from October of 1993 through March of 1996. So, like, real peak 90s basketball years. And if you are interested, you can watch it on Crunchyroll. Um, And to, to like, sort of start with that context that you're talking about, like, this show and this, like, franchise is, like, very heavily credited with popularizing basketball in Japan. Um, I, I would say it, like, is not something that I hear people talk about super often, even in sort of conversations about classic sports anime, but in sort of the limited research that I did for this episode, I think it's like extremely popular in Japan precisely for that reason, right? That you're talking about that it it introduces people to the sport and really got a lot of people to start playing. Yeah, I I can see why it would work that way because it is... It, it gives a, the reason why most young people play sports is to impress other young people. It's, a, it's partially a mating ritual tool. It's partially a, a way to feel superior to other, other kids. Uh, and it's, it's, a, it's a sorting tool for social classes. So you see in the show, the, the redheaded kid, he's, he's on some level a bully and a hothead and, and, and a social malcontent. But he basketball is a tool with which he is able to fit in. And to, to I, I guess, eventually fall in love with this girl. Um, so it's it's very much, um, you know, a, a universal uh, storyline, even if the cultural markers and, and certain elements of it are 
things that people from Western countries might not fully understand. Yeah, and I think it's definitely interesting to like think about sports as a a way, you know, for people to like channel a lot of that energy. Like, I, I'm I don't think that the show would do this, but the it, it that like almost you could imagine a version of the show that has the same character and sort of takes more of a a Coach Carter approach, you know where he's like, you gotta like, you gotta get off and stop like fighting kids in the streets and like basketball is the thing that's going to make you do it. And I I think that that is more a source of comedy uh, in this than in anything else, because he and like his friends are all sort of coming out of this like general, like youth hooligan culture. And like, you know, they get into fights all the time, but I, I think the show mostly plays it for laughs. Um, like, you know, you, I think, watched the first three episodes. They did. Uh, I got a little bit further than that. And there's an episode where he is, like, about to do a big fight and then says to the other gang, like, hey, do you guys mind if we do this later? Like, I got to go to basketball practice. Uh, and and the other guys are like, oh, yeah, don't worry about it, dude. <laughs> like, it's fine. You, you got stuff to do. <laughs> yeah, they're going to they're going to have their fight later. They're going to schedule it on Google, uh, Google Calendar, iCal or something, and then come back to that eventually. Yeah, it's it. That is. It's very common to see stuff like that. Uh, Bad News Bears, The Mighty Ducks. A lot of times, you know, sports is is an, is analogous to, you know, any other kind of community involvement or connection. You know, sports is is a thing that gives structure and, and, and instills values in the way that like the military or the Lions Club or, um, you know, uh, <laughs> Mason, Freemasonry <laughs> would, you know, that's kind of uh, what what it what it serves, the function that it serves in the structure of society. So I'm, I, I'm not shocked that that was part of this show. It reminds me of Star Trek, the 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 J.J. Abrams reboot, where Captain Kirk is just getting into dumb fights all the time uh, for no reason, and then uh, Captain Pike shows up on on in, in Iowa and he's like, "Listen, kid, if you just go to Starfleet, it'll fix all your problems." And of course, it does. Um, but yeah, I guess here, you know, basketball does sol- solve our protagonist's problems, but then creates a whole series of new ones because ultimately he is an idiot. Like that was the yeah. strangest part about this the show to me. Is he is dumb and he is impulsive and he is hard to like. Um, you root for him because he's been been rejected so many times, but also uh, he's he's the source of his own demise through a lot of these episodes because he's so willful and selfish and angry constantly. But I guess you know when I look at myself um, from when I was a teenager, I was kind of like that. Yeah, it's funny because I I think like the the sort of broader arc of the show, I think, is like about him, you know, coming to love basketball and and being more serious about the sport. And he like develops rivalries with all the other characters. And definitely the pacing, especially at the beginning, is so weird because he I think you're totally right that he sucks like a lot. And I, I think there maybe is some element of like uh uh contact context of that but like he i think he just sucks really and everyone else on the show kind of knows that he sucks and the only reason that they you know sort of like let him uh you know that he sticks around is because he has all this raw basketball power uh and and it's just very funny to watch that happen when especially you know almost nothing else about him um like you don't know, you know, that much about like the rest of his life. You just know that he is sort of like two two facts about him. One, he's like very horny, and two, he like kind of is naturally good at basketball. And the uh, I I think it's the kind of thing where, you know, the the manga especially probably is more deliberate with the pacing, but it is very weird to start watching and be like, I actually don't know if I want to spend that much time with this guy. Yeah, I mean, in the first episode, I'm kind of trying to figure out who these kids are and why he is being rejected all the time. And it wasn't until I think episode two, the, the big fight on the roof where everybody puts it together. Like why people are afraid of him is because he is essentially a delinquent. Someone says like, Oh yeah, he's a bad kid or like, yeah, he's constantly getting into trouble. So then I, I could have, I, I had a frame of reference for who he was supposed to be because it doesn't tell you in the way that, you know, 
uh, Western fiction would would be clearly, at least for me and, and for my cultural awareness, it would be clear, like, who is the bad kid because they'd be wearing certain things or or, or walking a certain way or like cut like close-ups of them sneering at certain things. Like mm-hmm. there's, there's always ways that Western films and TV shows explain to you that someone is supposed to be bad. Like a leather jacket well, makes you so bad in Western fiction. And it, 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 there is actually very clear in this case, but it's just like, right. It's like not a thing that you would have. It's the hair that you, like, you would not have context for. Right. That's what I mean. It's like, I look right, at it that, and I'm like, I, I don't know why people don't. This just looks yeah, normal. Just, yeah. He looks like, yeah, exactly. Uh, but like in this context and especially later on in the show, there'll be moments where people show up and are like, Oh, I could tell that he's a delinquent because his hair is dyed this color, right. you know, and that, and that, that at the time, like you would know, Oh, this is the, the, you know, sort of loose cannon. Um, which I think like kind of works early on, if only because I really like, and I'm I'm curious how you feel about the other characters. I think my favorite character so far is the brother, the one who's like the captain of the team. Um, because he just like, you know, has sort of the the drill sergeant archetype where he's like very serious about the sport. And, you know, you you kind of get like these brief moments of him being like, damn, maybe this kid does know how to play basketball. Um but he just is so I think the show does a good job of rendering him as being really silly, even though he's like enormous <laughs> and clearly like very good at basketball. I, I, there's a scene of the third episode where they're like, I think there's a flashback to um, him first, like practicing with the team uh, when he was a first year. And they're like, my God, he's huge. He's six, four. I started laughing because six, four is it that tall. At least to me. Well, but that's I know I've yeah, I've that, six I think two and I'm not that tall, but it's a cultural difference. But it's it's yeah, and it's it's they they talk about this too in later episodes where they'll be like, oh, this guy's like five eight, like he's fine, you know. And it's like on some level, I think that's very funny, and like I would love to sort of like watch. Uh, I, I don't know if this is a, I assume this is not a thing anyone has tried, but you know how boxing has like weight classes. Yep. I would love to watch a basketball league that had height classes. <laughs> I think that'd be great. I mean, that kind of, I, I guess, uh, it, once you hit a certain height, like six, six, nine, six, ten, if you're not playing basketball you, professionally, there's something wrong with you. You know, if you have that kind of that level of height, but if you're like six, five, six, four, you're pretty tall, but you're not that tall. Um, so yeah, there should be similar to like golf where there's like a senior tour and there's a regular tour and stuff different height categories so that that i could be considered tall which i am not when i play basketball i for some in some instances i am but for the most part if i play with anybody who's ever played in high school or or god forbid college i'm a a very small person compared to them well i feel like that i would love that also just because then like i don't know what the equivalent of cutting weight becomes you know where it's like, ah, oh, shit, like I got to put on like a quarter of an inch so I can be, you know, in the different height class or whatever. You know um, how you remember Dorf? No. OK, so Dorf was. um, Oh, oh boy. Uh, Tim Conway was a comedic actor from the 70s, and he played this character called Dorf. And he he got on his knees and put shoes on his knees and oh. walked around like a short person. It was terrible. But that's exactly what I'm thinking is like there's a Dorf league. <laughs> Where it's like, okay, yeah, you're tall, but you can't play anymore, so we're going to make you crawl around on your knees if you want to play. Wow. Yeah, and it's just like you still get, like, really tall guys who are, are, are basically, like, normal height, even on their knees. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, and it, it definitely does, like... I don't know... I think that the, the sort of, like, economic forces and, like, cultural forces would make it so different because right the the premise that this kid is just like extremely athletic and like aggressive and you know could be really really good at basketball is the kind of thing that right like you were saying if you put it if you did it now in a more sort of quote unquote realistic western show you would be like this child would have need to have been you know like bred from you know the age of six 
because it's so heavily professionalized and like, right. You have to be so good in order to be at the, the, uh, levels of, mm. you know, being like the best in the country. But in the, in this context, it's like, I don't know, man, like I have no idea. Like I have no frame of reference for, for what it would mean to be the best high school basketball player in Japan in you know, 1994. <laughs> Yeah, I I don't know either. I mean, it's sports now is so global and, um, you know, the best of the best are are recognized and do find themselves either playing in Europe or in the United States, regardless of where they're from. But in the 90s, you know, uh, European basketball wasn't quite where it is today in terms of competitiveness, in terms of resources and and wages. Um, So I don't really know what the the future would hold for a lot of um, a lot of athletes that came from non-traditional basketball countries. Um, Japan would certainly be considered a non-traditional basketball country. And they don't think a lot of scouts would, would go to, to Japan to look at players, whereas they would certainly be going to France. They'd be going to Lithuania, um, you know, Brazil in a lot of cases. Um, you know, those are, those are countries, China, um, where, where people will go and scout basketball, basketball talent. I I mean, probably we should not do this, but this is sort of like making me imagine like a, you know, globalized like height database. And like the second that you get above a certain height, like ever, all this, the, the scouts like phones buzz, you know, they're like, oh shit, we got a guy who's seven one, like, and everyone, everyone just like races to go see them play. Uh, yeah, but, but it, 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 so you mentioned a little bit earlier about the like specific dunks and, and like the way that the basketball is played. And I, I wanted to get your thoughts about this because I have been, I think, at best, like an intermittent basketball fan, but I, I definitely mm-hmm. am coming at this more from the perspective of being like, I enjoy watching anime characters do dunks. Um, and I, I, cause I, I don't have as much context for sort of what the, the play is referencing. Yeah, well, I mean, they certainly don't, like I said earlier, don't really pay much attention to the actual, um, you know, structure of basketball. It, it is so, the show is so focused on the idea of the slam dunk, which is certainly one of the, the sexier, more exciting parts of the, of the game. But it's certainly not nearly as important as it is here in this show. Um it's it's almost like the only way to score is to dunk and the, and they treat it as such at least in the, the three episodes that I've seen you know I have not seen an episode with an organized game played to something resembling completion so I can't judge that maybe you have so it's funny I, this is sort of what I was saying about the pacing like I'm 10 episodes in and that has not happened yet like Basically, the the rough plot for the next couple of episodes is like he joins the team there and he because I think that right what you're saying about like being obsessed with dunking is like his thing, right, as a character that he's like, this is the cool thing. This is what's going to get the girl to like me. And then there are just several episodes where he's not allowed to practice because he has to practice dribbling. Uh, and so the whole episode is just like him in the corner of the gym dribbling, watching everyone else like play. Uh, and you know, you can sort of imagine that like archetypal sports narrative, right? Where he's like, I, I don't need to do this shit. Like I'm, you know, I'm good at everything and I just want to know how to dunk. And the, the older brother captain is like, no, like you need to, you know, do dribbling for X number of days. And then you have to, you know, just like keep doing all the basics. And in the, the last episode that I have watched, which is episode 10, he has finally been allowed to start learning how to do layups and he can't do it. Oh no. Which is like pretty funny. Yeah. On, on some level that is realistic because I, if this show was truly just trying to be, you know, about visual stimulus and making it exciting, he would just eventually be good at basketball, right? Like you'd have a montage where he'd learn the ropes of the basics, the boring stuff. And then, you know, you, you fast forward to now he's in the game. Sure. He's not as, as polished as other players, but he knows the basics and we can just watch him play, play basketball. This on the other hand is just every single step 
uh, of the process of a teenage boy learning how to play basketball for the first time, <laughs> which is kind of absurd, but it makes it makes sense from a from you know the standpoint of what would it actually be like if that happened? What would it actually what would what would it take for him to be able to play high school basketball? And it, it definitely helps with the comedy, right? Because you know, like you just look at these long scenes of him being like, no, I could totally dunk. Like I got this. Like you guys are being like assholes. And you could imagine a version of this, right. Where, you know, he, he does it and just dunks and everyone's like, wow, it's incredible. Like he's so naturally gifted. And instead they're kind of like, I don't know. That shit at the beginning was like kind of a fluke a little bit because he, <laughs> right. he can't shoot. Uh, yeah. uh, and like, I, find that dynamic very funny because i think for me it's much like more interesting and again like i'm not a huge like sports media person but i like watching people be bad at stuff and like like actually go through like what does it mean to get better at the thing and i feel like i i rarely i can't think of a ton of examples that are like oh this is like how you actually you know like master those basics especially in a way that makes it interesting right because i feel like the problem with the basics is that they're like by definition, not visually interesting. Right. I do think there's probably some cultural reason why that is. Why in our sports movies and and TV shows and and fiction, it always feels like they fast forward to the cool stuff. Whereas maybe there is something to the process that is is more important um, in an anime context. Uh, the process of learning how to do something. Uh, the brother character is interesting to me. It's in, uh, it's fun that you, <laughs> he's your favorite because um, I, I I enjoyed him uh, on a on a certain level because I always enjoy people who are very competent and very serious about what they do because I'm not. Uh, the things that I do, I don't take as seriously as other people. You know, I know I'm good at certain things, and I am glad that I am because it's how I earn a living. But uh, yeah, I'm not like rigorous about it. I'm not like very, I'm not, I'm not, I don't take what I do. I'm writing is not a sacred act for me, but I, it feels like for the brother, like basketball is, it, he calls it like his battlefield where he, 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 he's a warrior or something. And I'm like, I don't feel that way about anything. Yeah. But I love, sports. I love that. I think that's like, I, so for me, and I think that's, this is maybe like a, a goes to sort of, the like disconnect in your feelings about anime because that like is what a lot of anime is right where it's like a bunch of people who feel that way about the thing that they're doing uh like there's this one that i i cite often as an example of this that's like a cooking anime where it just is all teens who are like unbelievably talented chefs and the show is just like them figuring out how to like do ingredient combinations and then like doing cooking battles and everyone is like this is the battlefield like you know and I, I, yeah. the, the like visual, the like grammar of that level of intensity, I think is what I often respond to where it just like, of course he loves basketball. Like, what are you guys talking about? Of course he loves it this much. And like, you don't have to, but you just have to kind of like respect that he, he is that committed to it. Uh, which, cause I, I, I think I agree with you that often there are like things I'm not super committed to. And I really like watching other people, just be like, of course, this is like the one thing I I do. Like, why would I do anything else? Um, which is which yeah, is fun. I, mm-hmm. Oh, I was gonna say, yeah, that's that's I I, I feel that same way. Uh, even though I'm I'm such a slacker about things, um, it's it's cool to to see people really commit to something and really care um, about something that's that's not themselves. You know, because <laughs> I think most of us are just so self involved and so narcissistic and selfish that we can't divorce our ego from the thing that we are doing, which is, I think the only way for you to get better at something is to stop hating yourself. If you are, if you fail. Yeah. And he, he definitely Hanamichi like does not have that capacity, um, which I think is like exacerbated by sort of like the other main character, uh rukawa who you know is sort of this like prodigy who similarly just like loves basketball but also is really good at it and like we don't know at this point sort of like 
you know, he, he clearly has like put in the time, but at least to Hanamichi, he seems to have just like showed up as this guy who is like unbelievably good and like didn't have to work for it. And so you can sort of imagine, right? Like you're saying that it's impossible to get better if you're like, you know, like he, if you're like basically doing the Salieri and you're like, he does it in one, you know, he did it in one day. Like he figured out how to do this cool dunk. And I, I spent my entire life figuring out how to, how to, you know, dunk like behind my back or whatever. Yeah. But I don't, I, you know, having only seen three and not 10 or 110 or uh-huh. however many there is um, it's, it does seem to me that uh, the story is going in a direction where you realize that Hanamichi's methods are faulty and that he does have to work. And like, that is the, that is an interesting, very Puritan uh, kind of way of looking at, at stuff. If you're going to transplant that into a, a, a Western context, it's very Puritan. The idea of like, no, you're not, you're not just naturally gifted. You have to be great. And that greatness comes from hard work. Yeah. It's all, it's all about practice. Uh, yeah. which, which is definitely like a big part of it. Like sort of all the reading that I did, about the show like focuses on their rivalry and basically my understanding of it is that right like at first Hanamichi is like I only want to be good at basketball because I want this girl to like me uh so that you know he he and Rukawa are like not playing the same game and then eventually once he like decides independently that he wants to get good at basketball that's like when the rivalry actually heats up because they both like actually have the same objective uh yeah you know, and, and then you could sort of imagine, right? It's just like, and I feel, I feel like you, you would know this way better than me. I feel like the nineties from my very, very hazy knowledge is a prime period of both like people caring about basketball globally, but also of there being like interesting dynamics between like the two best players on any given team, which like, I don't know, you know, I, I, I don't, I wouldn't say I follow closely enough now to know if that's still the case, but I, I feel like that was a thing I absorbed as a kid. I don't know. Like, is that true? Does that scan? Yes. Yes, that absolutely does. Um, basketball, more than I think any other sport, has um, quite a bit of of ego uh, involved. There's always an alpha dog and there's always a sidekick. And I think part of that dynamic was shaped by the success of the Chicago Bulls. Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen, where Jordan was considered the Batman and Pippen was considered the Robin. And Pippen was always underpaid. His entire career with the Bulls, he was paid a pittance compared to Jordan. And he got a, a micro, microscopic amount of attention compared to Jordan. And so there was, there was tension. It was never outright conflict. But there was certainly resentment and tension. And if you watch The Last Dance, the documentary, uh, the ESPN 30 for 30, about that era of, of basketball, you'll see sort of why Pippen felt the way that he did and what Jordan's attitude about Pippen was and where that led them as they sort of broke apart. And they, and they you know, Jordan retired and Pippen uh, went to go play for Portland. Is things, you know, it was always going to end up that way because Pippen was great arguably one of the the 50 greatest players of all time, but he wasn't Michael Jordan. And and that is a a dynamic that exists today with, with pretty much every good basketball team in the NBA. If you look at the, the golden state warriors, you know, there was Steph Curry and Kevin Durant for quite a while and, and Durant and Curry didn't get along um, the way that they, they could have or should have. Uh, and Durant left and went to to Brooklyn. Uh, you you go back a little bit, uh, you know, a couple decades to the Lakers and Shaquille O'Neal and Kobe Bryant. Same thing. Kobe and Shaq eventually had this this um, this dick swinging contest, so to speak. If if I'm going to use you know something <laughs> more salacious to describe it, um, and that led to Shaq being traded to Miami. So the dynamic between these two characters is certainly something that is intrinsic to any great basketball team is everybody wants the spotlight it is a it is one of the the most um clear and and explicit team sports that there is because everybody you know all there are five players on the field or on the court excuse me at, 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 at any given time and they're playing both offense and defense baseball is unique because you know they're only 
on the field when they're playing defense together. In football, there's an offense and there's a defense and they switch places. In basketball, soccer, hockey, those teams are doing both. They're going back and forth on a field or on a rink or on a court and they're doing things together in concert. They have to have a certain amount of organization and flow to the way that they play, passing, who's got the ball or the puck or what have you. Uh, and so that just naturally leads to battles between players who feel like they deserve more attention or more shine or more time uh, in charge. Yeah, and I mean, that really is, I think, a very fundamental like anime dynamic. I mean, I, I literally am looking at a, a poster of Vegeta that is in my room right now, right? And that that uh, is such like a motivating dynamic, I feel like, for... I mean, obviously stories in general, but particularly in this genre, right, where it's all like people competing in a way that usually makes both people better. But I feel like often that's not actually the case, especially, you know, in, in a case like basketball where the the spotlight is like of necessity limited, right? It's like wh- one person is going to be Michael Jordan. And I mean, probably no one is going to be Michael Jordan. I really feel like the only at least in my limited experience, the only person who could really share the the court in that way and still hold the spotlight was, was Bugs Bunny. Yes, absolutely. I mean, Bugs, Bugs had other gifts besides basketball, and he knew that, that playing that game against the Monstars was not the end-all, be-all of his career, and there was more to it. And if Michael Jordan tried to you know, dress up like a Viking woman or something. He's not going to pull it off the way that, that Bugs Bunny did. He he would never, though. I mean, I, I, I definitely don't know enough about, but I feel like I know enough about Jordan to, like, definitively say, right, that, that the Bugs character, like, requires maintaining yourself, like, in all of these, like, very silly contexts. And I feel like Jordan, right, like, one of his constitutive qualities is that he hates looking silly. Like, he refuses to look silly. Absolutely. Yeah, he's he is a serious person. And I think that there's something to um, the brother character that that is shared with Michael, Michael Jordan, and that there's there's the game itself is sacred. If you look at any of the great NBA players, they take what they do so seriously. Kobe Bryant uh, was long considered by observers of the NBA as a sociopath. Because all he cared about was winning. He didn't care about his his family or his teammates or you know other people, journalists. He just cared about winning basketball games. Michael Jordan didn't understand anything outside of the court. And I, it's like <laughs> soldiers and athletes have a hard time letting go of their, of their thing because it does consume them so much. And, and they both have, right, these like really fundamental uh sort of like ideologies and like narratives right like i think it would be very easy to imagine takanori like the 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 brother you know the version of the beginning of space jam where he's like you know he's like out playing you know, shooting in the backyard with his dad and right there's like that very aggressive like self-mythologizing thing and like in that context yeah. it, it feels a little bit silly but that is also like a very like that's just an aggressive anime flashback backstory, you know. Like you, you just imagine, and like that happens in the show, but that also happens in a, this show. But that happens in a lot of other contexts, you know, where someone's like, "When I was six, like this thing happened, and now I'm this way." Um, and I think that it's like right, it's like that level of intensity of focus that we were talking about, where it's like, in, in order to to latch on in that way and commit to it that hard, you like kind of have to be abnormal in some capacity and i think one of the things i like so much about anime as a genre is that it is like full of characters who do that but like are not abnormal because everyone in the world is like that right and it's like i don't know if i I would want to live in a world full of michael jordan's but like it's pretty fun to watch yeah well i mean there is a certain outsider aspect to that character to the brother because people do are intimidated by him right people are intimidated by all of the players it seems like from the brother to Hanamichi to his rival, like they're all people are intimidated by these three characters for a variety of reasons. 
the the brother the gorilla they call him which i'm like oh boy okay uh the the brother he is so intense and so large compared to everyone else they're all afraid of him uh hanamichi everyone is afraid of him because he's so volatile and it doesn't take much to set him off and then people are in awe of the rival because he's so good and he's so poised and so um so uh, w- well put together with his with his whole vibe like he's dreamy because he seems like he has it figured out at least from what i could tell from the first 3 episodes so all 3 of them are are kind of outsiders in a way but outsiders because of their exceptional qualities yeah and i think that the the show sort of like as it goes on does a more interesting job of like putting that in context so i think you have not made it to this but there are these segments like there's this little character uh named dr t who is just like a sketch like it's not even right like the the way that most of these characters are drawn which is like fine um but that every so often someone will like mention something about a basketball player and they'll be like, oh, this is like when Kareem Abdul-Jabbar did this thing. And because Hanamichi knows nothing about basketball, he'll be like, who's that? And then this little guy comes out and is like, hey, everybody, I'm the character who's here to teach you about the history of basketball. And then, you know, they do like a little historical segment about the the uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar um, UCLA game, if I am remembering that right. Yeah. Uh, and it's like, this is what happened. And I, I love that. Like, it's very silly and like, you know, not diegetic at all. Um, but it, it makes sense. I mean, even one thing we haven't talked about yet is like the the ad breaks where, you know, you have this woman who's like basketball yeah, yeah. is like a great game. Like, let's play it. And then like, you know, and, and you can imagine the way in which this is targeted for kids who don't know a lot of this stuff and that the show like goes out of its way to be like, yes, like we are not going to trust that you like know this bit of backstory about Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, but here is why I like the mangaka think it's cool. And like, maybe you will also think it's cool. Yeah. I I, I like that a lot. Yeah. It's clear that this was, (laughs) yeah, I hate using this term uh, in 2020, but it does feel like propaganda of a sort. Uh, because it is trying to get kids in Japan to like it and play it. Uh, it reminds me of how soccer was uh, approached by fiction um, or just, you know, any other media in America in the early 90s, around the time of the, the, the World Cup in uh, 94. You know, it was like, here's soccer. Soccer is a game with a ball and you use your feet. And this is how you use your feet and you aren't allowed to touch it. Like all this stuff is, feels very remedial now that you would never do with traditional American sports, basketball, baseball, football, um, and to a lesser extent, hockey. Uh, these are sports where the, the TV shows and the movies just take for granted that you understand it. It's like, it's like, um, I don't know. I guess it's, it's sort of like the, 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 um, the passion play people take for granted that, you know, the story of Jesus dying on the cross and being resurrected. People just know, you know, it, uh, and the way that people just know that, you know, what a touchdown is when you watch the movie, little giants, uh, but soccer in America in the nineties, people were like, I don't, what is, what is a penalty kick? Why is this happening? What, what's a red card mean? And it does seem like that is how they treat basketball in this show that it's like, you've probably never played this. You've never heard about it. Maybe you watch it at three in the morning, um, on TV. If you're like a really adventurous sports fan, but for the most part, this is, this is, um, like a different language to you. So we're going to explain it. And we want Japanese kids to play basketball because it is the sport of the future. And he, he, you know, he like, I think it's, that's definitely true. And I think that's like a very funny comparison because I feel like it seems like this was effective. And I guess maybe the soccer propaganda was like kind of effective, but I feel like it's still like maybe less so now, but even when I was a kid, like soccer was kind of a joke. Or like people would just be like, oh, soccer. Um, but soccer, soccer propaganda works in the sense that, you know, the, the professional league is thriving. You know, it's existed for over 20 years now. And it you can watch soccer on TV. I remember when, when I was a kid and 
to find a soccer game on television was like trying to find, uh, I I don't know, a snuff film. (laughs) It's like it probably would have been easier to find someone being murdered for real on extended cable than it was to find a soccer game because no one cared. And now it's on TV. People understand what the what it means. Um, there are you know people who are fans of English soccer teams, Italian soccer teams, German soccer teams who have never been to these countries, who have no connection to them, in the way that people in other countries feel that connection to the Raiders or to the Golden State Warriors or to the Yankees or something. Yeah, that that makes a lot of sense. That that's definitely true. Uh, and I guess it would be interesting to see sort of like, you know, if you were a kid when this was coming out and you got really into basketball, if there were other people who were like, that's weird. You oh, know, I'm and, sure. And that, that I'm that sure. process takes a long time. Yeah. I, I, um, it's probably like professional wrestling here is where it's like, okay, you're the guy who likes professional wrestling. You're kind of a freak. But there are other people who like it too. And you guys are all going to hang out. I wonder what... Um, what the state of basketball fandom is in Japan. If it, if it's still, uh, you know, if it's still, if it's become more of a thing, I don't know. It, it's become pretty popular. Yeah. And like, in, I think in large part because of this, like it's like extremely popular and he, he like, there are some interviews uh, that he, he does where he, you know, was like, I started getting letters saying that people like kids started playing and like, he was like okay i have to like do better at this actually like i have to draw better games right uh which i think is pretty funny that like you know you can do something that's this popular but also he has such like control over it as like the guy who's who's you know writing and drawing it that there aren't really people i mean there are maybe a little bit right because like all these people have editors and stuff but it's not really in the same way that you would get with like a western thing where there are a lot of people who were like okay this is like all the stuff that we need to say about you know the sport and like here are here are the partners that we're really excited to work with on this and like here's what we want to make sure that we include in the content um you know he just like is sort of do it he was just like doing it uh and and that then it, it latched on i think to or like was very organic um right because of how like globally popular basketball was uh and it just is very funny to like imagine something getting popular and then realizing that you have to get good at it <laughs> uh where he's like yeah i don't know like I, I was doing an okay job before but but i really really felt like i had to start taking it seriously i mean it's funny that you you mentioned wrestling because when I first asked you to do the show, the other option was going to be anime about wrestling. And like, at least as far as I can tell, there isn't really anything in um, the vein that I would like what I would really want from a wrestling anime. Right. Which is that like, it's about It's like about putting on the show and it's like about the personalities and it's like about all this other stuff. Like all the wrestling anime that I've watched is just like literally people are wrestling and like, you don't know, you know, you don't know who's going to win and there's no, like it, it like does all of the, the Traditional sort of storytelling movie stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And it, which feels really weird to me because, and again, this is a thing that you'll know a lot more about than me, but my understanding is that professional wrestling is like pretty popular in, you know, that there's like a, a, a pretty robust, pro wrestling culture in japan um yes absolutely that's the one the one part of japanese culture that i sort of have an understanding of is professional wrestling culture it is arguably in the top five most popular entertainment options in japan it's it's huge it's bigger than it is here i think and just in terms of cultural acceptance not necessarily in terms of how much money they make you know new japan pro wrestling is the biggest wrestling company in japan um, but it's it's nowhere near as big as WWE from from a revenue perspective because it, they they're touring Japan versus the United States and the United States has certain you know entertainment um, partnerships and things that they can do that they can't do in Japan and stuff. Um, but it's huge. I mean, there are there are holidays around it and and uh, you know culturally like these characters are are massive. But even in the United States, there really isn't storytelling around how wrestling is made it just isn't which i I guess i mean you you would i think know particularly about this which like it feels really weird it feels really ripe like 
it just feels very weird to me that that doesn't exist. Yeah, there's there's a very secretive culture around professional wrestling in um, the United States and to a lesser extent in Japan. In Japan, they take it very seriously in the sense that even though they know it's not real, they buy into it to such a deep extent that there there is a lot of passionate feeling when when your favorite loses. You'll you'll see them cut to camera uh, cut in the camera to to shots of fans crying. And uh, so so overwhelmed with grief when their when their favorite wrestler loses in the way that it doesn't really happen here. We know it's fake and we we treat it as such. Whereas Japanese wrestling fans know it's fake and treat it as as though it's real in the same way that I guess you know in people the stereotype of people who watched soap operas in the the mid century in the United States people knew it was a TV show, but they still took it so seriously. So I think that's probably why J- Japan doesn't have um, any sort of anime fiction around the creation of wrestling or the wrestling industry. They just, it's just, it's like, a, it's like, do you really want to see a show about how they make a soap opera or would you rather see a soap opera? I think that's what it is. And in the United States, it's just because it's so secretive and because there's so much, um, uh, people are afraid to, to talk too much about the reality of it. That makes sense. I guess from my like sort of un mostly uninitiated perspective, it feels like the kind of thing, right, where it actually does map onto a lot of the stuff we've been talking about. Where like you have to practice a lot if you are gonna pull off like all of the shit that you need to do to be good at it. You have to like develop this performance ability, you know, you all of the stuff that goes into being a successful athlete in any sport but with obviously slight tweaks but that you could sort of imagine that uh, along with the like let's put on a show like muppets ethos almost um that's exactly what it is as someone who wrote uh for wwe that is exactly what it is it's very much like a muppet muppet the muppet show but with very large people that I feel like so my understanding is that your your experience doing that was like maybe not ideal. That sounds very good. That <laughs> sounds like a very fun activity to be like, we're doing uh, the Muppets, but everyone is shaped like John Cena. Uh, yeah, I wish it was fun. I, w- I really do. I really do. But, you know, what's interesting about this show and about basketball is that there is a showmanship aspect to it, even though it is not an exhibition in the way that wrestling is scripted entertainment that happens to have athletic um, prowess required. Basketball is a is a competition, but there is a certain level of showmanship that is expected. The slam dunk is not just a play in a game, it is also a form of expression because there are all different kinds of ways that you can do it. And like I mentioned earlier, in the incredibly long opening credit sequence of this show. Oh, yeah. Uh, there is a shot of Hanamichi dunking in the same way that Jordan dunked from the free throw line. Um, I I think it was a slam dunk contest. I forget what year it was. He, he, he jumped from the free throw line and dunked um, and did this kind of tomahawk thing where like he's almost floating in the air as he's doing it. And it's just remarkable to see. And I think that was one of the, the, the most indelible moments of his career is that 87 probably. Yeah. And so that, yeah, yeah, I think so. So that's, I think that's, um, that's part of what's appealing for people about the sport. And what's cool about this show is that it is, you know, a showman's, a showman's game. Uh, yeah, I think so. So on that note, I maybe have one very dumb, uh, thing I want to, to close on that is maybe a little bit less connected to the show, but it's connected to my interest in sort of animated basketball entertainment, which is like what your expectations and hopes are for uh space jam Two, a movie that I have been really vacillating on my opinion of for like a decade now which feels like too long to have very serious opinions about a space jam sequel. Um, but it, it does seem like it finally is happening at this point. So I, I think I have to start like really thinking about it. Um, and you know, like, like we were talking about before we started recording, acknowledging that it is a thing I probably am going to have to watch, uh, at home instead of, you yes. know, going to a theater with a lot of like drunk people in monsters jerseys. 
<laughs> right. Yeah. It's, it seems unlikely that any of us will see this movie in a theater. And uh, HBO Max just announced they're going to have all of the Warner Brothers movies for 2021 available for uh, one month on HBO Max. This is not an ad. Um, so Space Jam, 2, <laughs> Space Jam 2 will come out next year. Um, do I think it's going to be good? I, I don't even know what it's about, Eric. I don't know. I don't know thing one about Space Jam 2 other than LeBron James is in it. They have really done an amazing job of keeping quiet what this is about there have been rumors i've read some of the rumors about what the story is but i as far as i know it could be about anything i don't like the jerseys that they that they debuted um i do think lebron is a pretty good actor and to his credit unlike michael jordan who as you rightly pointed out doesn't really have a sense of humor about himself lebron james uh, at least based on the acting that he has done certainly in Trainwreck, showed a certain level of self-awareness and comedic instinct that Michael Jordan simply did not possess. Yeah, he, he I think, will be willing to sort of go further in on the scenes where the dog, like, breaks down the door of the room and, you know, does the, the comical animated slobber. Exactly, yes. Which I, I assume there will not be callbacks to, but I hope that they do. That's one of my favorite parts of the original Space Jam. Look, I think the people behind this film are lovers of the original. So if there is a reference to the dog, you know, I wouldn't be shocked. I would not be shocked at all. If we get Bill Murray back, I wouldn't be shocked. Yeah, they've been. That's what they've been keeping under wraps. It's just like, you know, they <laughs> how much like Bill Murray day. is in it. Yeah. And does he wear the umbrella hat again? God willing. Uh, also a very anime piece of clothing, I think. Um, which, which I, it leads into sort of the, the terminal question of this, this show, which is, are, are you going to watch more slam dunk? Absolutely not. That's totally reasonable. I really, I knew that was where you were going, but I got to ask, I don't know if I'm going to, I, I like, this is the kind of thing where I understand why it is as popular as it is, but I just like, don't really think it's doing it for me. And I feel bad about that and I'm am, am looking forward to hearing from people who are really obsessive fans of the show. Just like not not quite my bag. I, I think that after having this conversation with you, I see more depth to it. But at the at the end of the day, it really is a story that is about and for teenage boys and the, the problems that teenage boys have. And maybe when my son is a teenager, I'll show him slam dunk and he'll be able to get some of his aggression out and understand how to, to, to not be quite so angry all the time. But for right now, I just, God, that opening credits is so long. I can't get through it every, for a hundred episodes. Yeah. They, they, uh, uh, I would say anime opening credits have gotten a little bit shorter recently. Although I think especially with stuff like that, right. It's like, there are production reasons where you're like, okay, like we, we've animated this like two minutes or however long we're just going to use it every time it's so that cheaper. we don't have to make more. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I simultaneously find that frustrating, but also like, I respect it. They're just like, I don't know, man, like this is what we got. Like, you know, you guys will, will your kids, like you're going to enjoy it. Um, but if, if people want, uh, stories and, and things that, that instead of representing the needs of teen boys, represent the needs and sensibilities of you dave uh where should they be looking oh if they want to find me they should be looking on twitter at dave underscore shilling um also if you are interested and you should be in my podcast full court chat uh, it's on all podcast platforms if you just search for full court chat um i think it's a very funny narrative podcast narrative improv where i kind of uh, play a parody of myself um and there's a lot of great improvisers on there that uh, are guests. Some of them are playing celebrities. Some of them aren't. Uh, but check that out. There's two seasons, 16 episodes or something. Easy to binge. Uh, and then I also uh, have a, a New Yorker shouts and murmurs piece that I, I would love people to read. Um, it is about Panera Bread and how it is basically just a place for you to dump someone. Fantastic. And I'll say the last sort of like uh, accidental plug is that I saw a photo, I believe, of you wearing a mask uh, that says the mask and the font from the classic 90s film. Similarly, goofy 90s, uh, mostly animated film, The Mask. 
that is now by far the most complimented piece of clothing that I own that I, I bought. Um, oh, you're very through the link that you send me. It's yeah. really, really has been an incredible purchase for me in 2020. Got a lot of compliments on it from like surly teens working at grocery stores, which I think is like really the highest level of compliment that you can receive in this day and age. That is exactly who compliments me too. So I, it, clearly it's working. It's classic Harry. He's coming back. Everyone knew with Sonic. It's it's all happening. Um, and if you are interested in learning more about Sonic the Hedgehog, you should check out other stuff on Fanbyte because I'm pretty sure that's like 60% of the rest of the site. Uh, you can that's not true. You can uh, but engage with more of that uh, with Fanbyte podcasts at fanbyte.com/podcasts. Follow Fanbyte streams at twitch.tv/fanbyte. Uh, and engage with more posts, some of which are about Sonic the Hedgehog, at twitter.com slash fanbytemedia. I'm at, at Eric Thurm, and you can email us with feedback or questions or things that I have misunderstood about this classic sports anime at podcasts at fanbyte.com. Uh, Dave, thank you so much for, for joining us and uh, gamely venturing back into this genre. Uh, we appreciate it here, here at Reanime Central. Thank you. My pleasure. Uh, I will be sure to not watch any more anime ever for the rest of my life. Excellent. Uh, and uh, <laughs> on that note, we will not be seeing you, Dave, but for everybody else, uh, next until next time, we'll see you in the Shadow Realm. Bye-bye. <laughs> <laughs>